Alrighty. Cool, cool, cool. Um, oh, the other thing. Sorry, before we started, Lauren and I saw the Spiderman. The, the, the Speed Air Man. Which Spider-Man? The, not, not Spider-Verse. Far still. From Home? Somehow. Yeah, Far From Home. We went to the oh, theater. Okay. I still um, haven't seen it. I've been meaning to. Uh, you, you of all people are going to love it. It's, it's exactly what I wanted from a Marvel movie finally happening. Really? Uh, okay. It's, it was just very fun. Like it wasn't like, I mean, it's not like groundbreaking or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to be the best Marvel movie of all time, but it was just like, oh, you want a fun summer film to go watch and not think I do. too hard about? Like, here you go. There, there, here, here, here it is. Well, that's good to <laughs> en- hear. Enjoy the Spitterman. I, I will Peter and, Spitterman. <laughs> I want to go see Peter Spitterman and Mysterio, who I know from that anti-weed PSA. Oh yeah, I always forget about that. <laughs> it's kind of that Mysterio too, without spoiling anything. It's kind of that Mysterio, which is pretty fun. All right, where he just pops in and he's like mad for no reason. Well, I mean, he's, he's, mm, see, I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. But this is very much the Mysterio that would be yelling at kids to not do weed. (laughs) That makes me even more excited to go see it. It's, it's very good. It's very good. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, as I yawn now, drink some coffee. Uh, it wasn't this morning, but yesterday morning I was sleepy, and so I went to a local uh, coffee shop right after I got out of bed, and uh, there was a furry meetup happening in there. Oh, hell yeah. Which Wait. was a very surprising thing, if you're only semi-conscious and not expecting it. True, yes. Fur- furry conventions are not something to be taken by surprise. Uh, were they... Were they drinking coffee? If so, how? I want to say yes, but you know, I've I wasn't always like wondered this. Staring at them, I I don't. I, at at this point in my life, I'm not close enough friends with anybody who is a furry to be like, yo. But really, though, like when you got to drink some water, you get like a long straw. Is it? Is it like a? Do they take the head off and break the illusion? Right, and in that case, is it like a Disney thing? Do they need to go backstage? Oh, that's true. I did see one of them, like, go into the bathroom with, like, a bag just to, I assume, take off the suit. I mean, I'm I, I'm also assuming you probably have to do that on a regular basis anyway, because, like, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm a, I'm a very sweaty boy, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I could wear any a, sort of costume for a long time. A giant time. furry suit? Yeah. Man, that reminds me of in my hometown, which is, of course, in Central California and gets to, like over 100 degrees in the summer. Right, we have right. a time. sandwich stop, uh, store uh, downtown called Mr. Pickles Sandwich Shop. And oh, Mr. Pickles. Their, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their mascot is uh, Mr. Pickle. Mm-hmm. And in the summer, they had some poor teenager outside in the Mr. Pickle suit dancing around to try and get people into Mr. Pickles. I one felt friends, so bad. One of my friends in high school was a Mr. Pickle. We we had a Mr. Pickle franchise as well. He was uh he, he was not happy with his job. <laughs> I would not be either in the summertime. No, 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 no. I feel like that's it's nearing cruel and unusual punishment at that point. <laughs> just like I don't know, just pay them to 
cut make the, sandwiches and not yeah like around. cut bread or something right yeah then you'll really be pickled in your own sweat do you want to do a podcast i really do after hearing those words you just <laughs> said <laughs> okay It's time to p- 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 podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! recap podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 7, Yugi vs. Rare Hunter, colon, Part 1, colon, Battle City Begins. That's more colons than a hospital. I, I was trying to remo- <laughs> remember super what? fast what, like, the branch of medicine, like, intestines are, and I couldn't remember. <laughs> So you just defaulted to hospital. Yeah. But I guess a hospital wouldn't have a higher ratio of colons than any other Than like, any other building. physical space yeah. that contains human beings. <laughs> Everyone's got some colons. Technically, Jimmy, this title has an equal number of colons to the hosts of this podcast. Two? Two. <laughs> Unless you're one. including the seven Keep in up. there. Come on. Unless you're including what? The, the the episode seven there. Oh, yeah. Okay. I wasn't. But that is true. That is there. It's seven colon Yugi versus a rare hunter colon Still. part one colon battle city begins colon end game. <laughs> colon 360 no scope remix. Colon featuring Tiesto. <laughs> I actually really like we can talk about this a little bit but I really would love something in between like Yu-Gi-Oh abridged and um uh who's the one that does the like remixed Disney clips uh Pogo Pogo thank you I wanted to say Poyo and I knew that that was incorrect uh <laughs> because I was thinking of Poyo Poyo Tetris um, I was thinking of Los Poyos Hermanos right uh and uh i would love to see like a, a pogo style Yu-Gi-Oh remix where we get the plot of Yu-Gi-Oh as like a cool techno beat that would be good ideally not featuring actual pogo because he's super like badly homophobic oh no i was not aware of that that's yeah. shitty uh we know people who have done voices for pogo so that's a thing by the way, it's gastroenterology is the field of medicine I was thinking of. Thank you. To all Tyler... the gastroenterologists listening to the show, we apologize for our mistake. Uh... This episode title has more colons than a gastroenterologist clinic. <laughs> there we go. For all your failing it? gastroenterology clinic needs. <laughs> um, should we talk about the episode? Let's talk about this episode. It's time to discuss the episode. Okay, so we have a lot of colons in this episode. 
the translated title, I feel like for the first time is the more boring version because it is simply Clash. Battle City Begins. Yeah. Clash, I guess, is kind of exciting, but I feel like the American version, Yugi versus Rare Hunter, kind of sets up, uh, oh, there's already some conflict here. Right, 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 exactly, yeah. I mean, Clash says, like, okay, there's going to be a... Conflict theory. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I feel like the translated title is a little bit more in keeping with kind of what we're going to feel in the show. Yeah. Uh, the summary on this is, is kind of fun. It says, the tournament begins with new rules and new monsters. Yugi tries to win back Joey's card, but falls to the same trap that led to Joey's demise. Does I, he? Does Joey die? Did Joey die last episode? <laughs> <laughs> but but Yugi tries to win back Joey's card, but falls to the same trap that led to Joey's demise. It sounds like both Yugi and Joey die in this episode. Which is not the case because the show continues on for a while after this. I mean, Yugi already talks to one ghost. Does Joey interact with anyone else this episode? I guess we he does, kind of. We don't notice, but Joey is also a ghost who is only perceptible to Yugi. That's what it's friends. like. A, maybe it's like a it's a wonderful life sort of situation where like Joey gets to experience what life would be if he were a decent duelist. Ooh, <laughs> sorry, did I say that out loud? Ooh. <sighs> That Millennium Puzzle is getting real crowded. <laughs> oh, yeah, because there's already two people in there. Yeah. Uh, three people, sorry. <laughs> Slap the top of the Millennium Puzzle. This bad boy can hold so many souls. <laughs> I showed Lauren the uh, the episode's summary that I wrote last week, saying something along those lines. And she just like, looked at it, no reaction for a long time. And she goes, you're real proud of yourself, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was. It's true. So, okay, you need to explain this to me. I have seen yes. the new intro, but this is the first time that I, I skipped the intro. Really? I hit, I hit skip intro because I I worked yesterday and I like had to get back to work and I was like, eh, I don't want to spend too long on this. So I hit, I hit skip intro and then I came back today and read this and I'm like, oh, shit okay well Tyler. it's the intro music that we use for the show now so i've seen the intro oh, it is? but but run me through it i don't listen to this podcast because i talk on this podcast uh but yes holy shit there's a new intro this is a new intro to the to the the sh- entire show finally after all this time yeah it's so weird that they would start the new intro seven episodes into the new season <laughs> has it really been seven episodes this is episode and seven fi- seven episodes in we're finally getting to battle city i it it begins in the battle city (laughs) arc i'm completely flabbergasted we've known about this for seven episodes (laughs) yeah but after it's, it's finally starting after seven freaking episodes we're actually getting to the actual part like me waking up in the morning um but yeah this has been the 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 theme song has been remixed to be yeah. more orchestral and more mystical, I think. Yeah, it's it's the same great flavors, uh, but but they've been sort of bumped up a little Remix. bit. Remix. This is the flavor-blasted intro. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's been blasted with lots of flavor. 
We have a voice clip saying Yu-Gi-Oh is king of games in, you know, in case you forgot who's the boss around here. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the beginning has this cool shot where they kind of mess with the aspect ratio uh, where it's like square. And then Yugi comes out and like does something and then it goes out to the sides and it's like widescreen, which I thought was very cool. Yeah. Um, this intro is actually the first time we see Dark Magician Girl at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it has a lot of shots of basically everyone. We've got Ishtar. We've got both good and bad Kuras. We've got a whole bunch of uh, cultists. And we get a whole bunch of Merrick, who we still don't know the name of. Like, Yeah, technically so we don't know but it's we, Merrick, yeah, we but know, we know it's Merrick. We know it's Merrick just like we knew the Pharaoh was Pharaoh. Because right. we were watching this show like a decade after it came out. Right, exactly. Uh, we get some Egyptian god cards duking it out. Uh, we get a cool shot of uh, Tristan. Uh, in the one shot we see of him getting off his motorcycle in the entire series, they brought that back just to show how cool Tristan is, even though we've never seen that before. That would be like his uh, his profile picture on Facebook or something. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, <laughs> like this is definitely his uh, his MySpace page background image. Yeah, this is like the, the top shot of Tristan is him getting off his motorcycle looking all cool. Then we get an intro shot of Kaiba of him hanging off his helicopter like the pretentious douchebag that he is. <laughs> he does he does a great hang though. He does a good he hang does. sesh. It's very much like, yes, I look like an action hero without doing any of the work of being an action hero. <laughs> yeah, he's just kinda effortlessly kinda hanging one arm off of the helicopter. He's got one foot up on the like the inside and the other on the helicopter skid and he's got his like dual disc there um it does look very cool but man we know kaiba the pretentious douchebag do you think that so okay so kaiba has a career as ceo of kaiba corp he he designs all the tech he does Mm -hmm. a lot of like his own sort of programming and stuff on the side He's also apparently a very gifted martial artist because he did that Mm -hmm. whole ninja thing last season. Uh, Do you think he has like a third or fourth career as a model of some kind? Like, do you think that's where he's sort of like perfecting all these poses? Are we going to see like Ode to Kaiba? And it's just just his face on on a big billboard somewhere? He 100% is like behind the scenes, like practicing all these poses to make himself look cool. And then just doing it to just to flex on everyone beneath him. Right. I mean, that would be the episode that we really needed uh, as opposed to uh, what even happened where his the evil was separated from him to make him more. Oh, yeah. The the clown version, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that was done. The clown fragment of his soul came off. Right, and then we're like, oh, Kaiba, he's just like a normal person, and he's so relatable, or whatever. No, 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 just give us an episode of Kaiba practicing poses in the mirror. Yeah. So yeah, Uh, new intro. It's good. It's good. It's good I have to say, I was not expecting it, and when I saw it, it got me so hyped for this show. Nice, good. Yeah, this, this episode, I feel like it needs every bit that it can get, because like things finally pop off, like the title of the episode says. And then it kind of is like, oh, right, but but now, like, a duel has to happen. Yeah. And, it, like, <laughs> starting a duel is the opposite of popping off. 
unfortunately, in it, in this show. It could be a lot more exciting, but... I mean, according to the intro, uh, or the, the summary, this would be popping off if it wasn't uh, part one of a two-parter. Right, exactly. Is exactly. it a two-parter? Or is yeah, it like a three-parter? Uh, oh, let's let's check on that. I think it's a two-parter, um, but let me because see. Because it would be popping off if we got to see Yugi react to seeing Exodia, or five Exodias. Right. I mean, well, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, let's see, part two. Um, what? Whoa! What was happening? Some some intro to some show played, and it was not Yu Gi Oh. Uh, yeah, no, it's a two parter, followed by another two parter, oh followed by a three parter, followed by oh, brother a two parter, oh, followed no. by a three parter. Oh god! Followed by a two parter, followed by <laughs> you're gonna love this. There's there's <laughs> there's a sequence called double duel. Guess how many episodes it takes. Six. Four. <laughs> okay. That was the gonna next, be my next guess. The next single episode, Jimmy, that we get, the next one off episode is episode twenty five. You're shitting me. Oh no. and then it's another two parter. No. No, pardon me, a four parter. Oh. And then, and then Oh, okay, and then a few one-offs. Then a handful of one-offs once we hit 30. It looks like everything from 30 to 36 is a one-off. And then... Like of all the... And then a four-parter, and then a three-parter, no. and then a two-parter, and then a one-off, and then a two-parter. And then we're done. That's all. This. <laughs> it's your favorite, Jimmy. You're going to be so happy this whole time. Of all the like sequences that would lend themselves to, like one off episode is Yugi going up against a whole bunch of random duelists. Right. But no, they all have to be these epic multi episode arcs. Now I'm well, no longer excited for this season. I was ex- uh, no, I no, got no, no, all no, hyped for Battle Jim, City. No, Jim, 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 James, James, Jimothy. It's no, no, no. It's still exciting. It's still exciting. It's still really good stuff. They just want to spend as much time as possible showing you the good stuff. Is this really... the truth or a lie that you are telling me right now, Tyler? Well, okay, the second part was a lie. It's still a lot of good stuff. <laughs> the The second part about spending more time showing you is that's that part's bullshit. I would love to to if anyone knows of any interviews with like writers for this show i would love to hear that because it does feel like they've just hit a point where they realized that the show was about playing a card game and the card game has rules that they need to follow otherwise like the actual card game that they're selling won't make sense and i think they hit a point where they realized oh wait a second the rules dictate that we actually can't fit a full match of the card game a full duel in a single episode (laughs) this season what you've described feels like how i used to write essays for college where i would type a bunch of stuff and then wait uh till i got like halfway through and then i would double space it oh my god (laughs) so it would feel like i'm writing less Right, right 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 and there were like oh shit, we have to cram all these duels in here now. And they're just taking like a potato masher and just jamming duels into each episode so they become two episodes. They're just padding it. 
see that's the thing is is the show is about duels i think they just like they wrote themselves into a corner so to speak of like oh wait a second we can't actually fit a duel into 20 minutes oh i do Uh feel bad for the writers now because they're they had to have been like like writing by itself is hard enough but being constrained to writing duels where you now have to like follow the rules uh must be just a real handicap just trying to make things interesting i really want to start watching some of the later seasons like i've noticed um i think basically all of zexel is on youtube now so i want to start watching that or like arc five like just on the side to see how more recent shows do it because i feel like maybe you could get better at it uh and that might be a writing challenge for us maybe if we wanted to flesh out a pitch for delta v (laughs) i feel like uh delta v would benefit from having like super short duels right right right. like it that's the speed dueling yeah it's speed dueling because in the future uh in space if you're like fighting over mineral rights to asteroids you only have a set amount of time uh before you have you exit the launch window there's no there's no time to like sit around dueling when you have a certain amount of time to get the minerals and leave before you have to wait like six months before you can go back home again yeah before you have to fire the retro rockets to stay out of uh low orbit yeah before you start falling toward the periapsis there it is (laughs) which is definitely a word that they'll say in the show several times um sorry i had i definitely just had a, a, a mental moment where i wondered whether or not you needed correcting like i i knew that you knew the correct word but it also sounded to me like um it's that uh it's that bit of skin between the um nope where are you going with this i thought you said perineum no no (laughs) i was like wait a second which one's which Here, let me draw you a quick diagram and explain no, I, some orbital mechanics. No, Jimmy, no, no, no. I understand. I understand. I just thought that you were talking about some very different orbs. <laughs> okay, so uh, here is uh, an orbit around a planet. The top yes, of the orbit here, the idea. farthest part, uh-huh. is the apoapsis. The bottom here is the periapsis. Right. Got and it. periapsis is like when you have a heart attack, right? Shut up. Let's talk about the episode. Okay. All right, so this episode opens with my favorite recurring gag. Hands down, this is the joke that I love the most. (laughs) Because it starts with Grandpa complaining about Yugi being a little shit. Yeah, it's like six in the morning. Grandpa is outside the game store, like, with a broom, dusting off the, the pathway into the store. And he's like, oh, I'm such an old man. I can't believe that I have to do the chores of Yugi. Because he's off doing, like, card game stuff instead of helping his grandpa. It's not even off doing card game stuff. <laughs> he, does, he does essentially the, like, Rodney Dangerfield bit of, like, oh, this young man pays me no respect. Uh, and he... <laughs> He looks up to the upstairs window and he goes, he's just upstairs building his card deck. I can't believe that I have to do all these chores while he 
goes and duels in Battle City. Just kidding! I'm so excited for Battle City! I can't wait for it to start, and I'm going to close up shop as soon as it begins. Uh, A.K.A. right now. And he, like, like, does this all, like, almost like a Looney Tunes, like, cartoon kind of jumping up and, like, going boogity 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 into the front door, which slams shut with, like, the closed sign on the front. Which... A is great because like yeah okay we're reminded grandpa loves card games yeah he's a big nerd he's a big nerd he was also he's a poor businessman yeah because (laughs) if a giant card game based tournament is coming to town i think the thing that you would want to do is keep your game store open for that maybe yeah all these people coming to town for the one thing that you have in your shop and you close up because you don't want to be there, apparently. You want to go watch the duels. I mean, I guess that would mean good business for Duke Devlin's store. Duke Devlin, who we also have not seen so far this episode, and that makes me very sad. Yeah, where'd he go? I mean, presumably he's still boy? running the store. Like, I don't think he's gone away. Maybe he wasn't good enough for the tournament. And he's like, oh, man. I can't believe that I have to be here and run my game store while everyone else is having fun playing card games. Then he just wipes his tears with a giant wad of cash. <laughs> <laughs> as he as he twirls dice on his fingers. Yeah. He's like, doesn't anyone want to play my new game? Hello? It's like <laughs> hordes of people are outside dueling each other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, poor Duke. Poor Dukey boy. Uh, we, we cut upstairs at the game store and it's Yugi and Yami talking to each other about kind of like, okay, we're prepped. We've got our new deck together. Yami sort of commends Yugi for building like a really strong deck. They've got some new cards, uh, that Yami bought actually, I guess. So maybe he's congratulating himself. I don't know. Um, but he says essentially like, okay, like we've got a good deck, but the fate of the world depends on us, so we really can't fuck this one up. <laughs> and I I do want to point out, uh, Yami's in control right now while Yugi is the ghost. And it's gotten to a point where I guess they can just swap out whenever they want while the other walks around as a ghost nearby. Like, have, there's... You seen, have you seen Sense8, the Wachowski Netflix show? No, I haven't. So I haven't seen, I've only seen the first season, but this is very definitely a, one of those situations. Do you, you, you know the premise? Vaguely, yeah. So so briefly, the premise is like, there are eight people who are all born at the exact same second, and they have a psychic connection that allows them to like, essentially see what each other sees, feel what each other feels, and like they share. Body swap. Yeah, kind of, right? Like they can they can essentially share like their skills between each other. And there just comes a point in the episode where they're just like in every scene, like all of them are in every scene because they're all just reach a point where they're constantly like doing a weird body swap out of body kind of experience. So you can't really tell, wait a second, who's physically here and who's not because they're all just like walking around. uh I think it's just a situation like that where it's just like, who's in control of the body? It's nebulous. It doesn't really matter anymore because they, if you can just now just like, force project yourself out of the body and just wander around you don't even really need the body unless you're like doing something like holding the cards see i wonder how far away the spirit can get from the body 
Yeah, if Yugi starts walking away, does the spirit just, like, get dragged behind him? Well, and if, if the spirit can walk away, eh, you know, 30 feet, can he just look at the other person's cards? Yeah, no, that would be some <laughs> magical cheating. Just have uh, the spirit playing. Yugi can just run to the other side of the dueling arena. Wait, there's no more dueling arenas. They can walk over and behind the other person and mm-hmm. just look at their cards and just, like, shout across the field at him is that the real way that pegasus looked at their cards it wasn't actually mind control or mind reading or whatever pegasus has a ghost twin that would be a very cool twist i don't think that's what happens but it would be cool that Uh, would give us more pegasus which is always a good thing yeah right you can never have too much pegasus uh, so the thing that I wanted to point out about this scene is like they're animating. It's a bunch of shots of Yami and Yugi talking and they change the camera angle several times and their heights, their comparative heights vary so wildly in this scene. It is, it's really unsettling. I noticed because, that. Because like, so we're used to when Yugi transforms into Yami, Yami's like, what would you say? Like six inches to a foot taller. Oh, easily. He's like a like head it's a, taller. Right. It's a big noticeable difference. So they start off there, and then they do a shot uh, that's like a, I guess it's like an over-the-shoulder shot or something of Yami looking at Yugi, and Yami looks to be, you, to, or Yugi looks to be Yami's height. It's like looking up, but it's looking up at Yugi. And then they do a side-by-side shot, and they're the same height. Yeah, this is the first time in the whole show where these characters who share the same body have been even close to the same height. Yeah, it's and it, and it makes me uncomfortable too because it makes me think like, wait a second, is like Yami slouching? Is Yami is he okay? Is he shrinking? Is is his Did like Yugi spiritual just hit energy puberty remaining? in the last month or so? And he suddenly has a too. growth spurt and goes up like an entire foot. That could, I wasn't paying enough attention to him compared to other characters, but it could totally be it. <laughs> uh, Yugi essentially like sort of calms Yami and, and, and eases his fears by, by saying, I didn't write the actual line down, but effectively, friendship is magic. Yeah, Yugi is like super excited for this card game and like finding his destiny and whatever. And Yami is like, no, there's like actual danger in, involved here. We have to be on our guard. And Yugi is like, you already saved the world once. What could possibly go wrong? He says to a man who has been stuck inside a puzzle for five millennia. <laughs> Yami is definitely a, a deck half empty sort of guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a great, I really love this sequence. There's a really great like magical girl transformation scene. Yeah, after you know, their conversation like, wraps up. And it's like, it, they both yell in unison, it's time to duel. Even though they're just upstairs in their room. I mean, yeah, but it's still, (laughs) still it is. That is the time. Uh, And, and it's this so like, it's, it's like acrobatic almost sort of scene. Like he's waving his arms around and they join bodies. It's a very Sailor Moon sort of. So very Sailor Moon. The background is like shimmering and like flashing past. And literally nothing changes. (laughs) Nothing happens. No transformation occurs except for Yugi puts on a belt. While he's already wearing a belt. He's already wearing a belt. He doesn't he doesn't put it through a belt loop or anything. It's just around his waist, sort of like half. It's what just dangling you... there, like a hula yeah. hoop. 
like on his non-existent hips. Yeah, I don't know how it's staying up. Maybe that's magic. Maybe that's the real magic, is keeping all his freaking belts attached to his body. How do you grow up as like a 12-year-old or whatever and think, my thing is belts? How does that happen? You have zero knowledge of what's cool, and then you walk into a hot topic for the first time. Then you're like, yes, this is exactly what I want to be. There it is. Yeah, you see the you see the poster of of Yu Gi <laughs> See, I think that's the thing. I think in order to be the kind of kid who wears multiple belts, I think Yu Gi Oh is now in a place where it has some sort of impact on your life. You walk into a hot topic, you see the belts hanging there, and you're like, "Yes, I can't decide which belt I want, so I'm going to take all of them. That I'll way, I'll one be in twice every as color: <laughs> black, 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 and black." Please. Onyx, Obsidian, Midnight. <laughs> uh, we cut away from the scene to Joey sort of freaking out about losing Red Eyes Black Dragon. He's in, I think this is the first time we see his home. Yeah, it's in like the an apartment maybe? Yeah, it kind of looks like he's living alone. It's it's a very like college dorm kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, he's but just like from... lying down on the floor. Yeah. From what we know of Joey's home life from season zero, it actually looks kind of appropriate. Or it's just kind of just like, eh, it's a bachelor pad. Nobody really cleans here. Yeah. Uh, he is is so upset, but he realizes, oh, wait a second. I need to call Serenity because she's like, her operation's done. He needs to call to check in. He promised he'd be sort of keeping tabs. So he calls and the the voice on the other end goes, Hello, uh, Serenity's hospital room. <laughs> How may I direct your call? Or, you know, whatever the fuck he says. And it's Tristan. What a fucking power move to have your f- best friend. You Like, you call your best friend. Uh, no, you call your sister. Your best friend picks up her bedroom phone. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, your sister? She's a little busy right now. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes, 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 Oh, you want to talk to your sister? She's right next to me here in her bed. Ooh, yikes, Let me yikes, pass yikes, the yikes. phone to her. Yikes. Nope. And Joey's like, Tristan, what the fuck are you doing in Serenity's room? He obviously doesn't swear because he can't swear in a four kids show. Right. He would, though. He would. If it was translated correctly, he'd be swearing up a storm. Right. Uh, so, so he, Tristan hands the phone to Serenity. Serenity's wearing an eye mask, uh, sort of like bandage, right? Yeah. Uh, post, post eye surgery. And she says that Tristan's been telling her, uh, sort of everything about their, their friendship, including apparently that Tristan taught Joey everything he knows about dual monsters and that he only came in second in Duelist Kingdom because of Tristan's excellent training. And that's how they got the $3 million to pay for Serenity's operation. So really... In a way, in a sense, uh, it was Tristan that got the money to pay for the operation, uh, sort of via Joey, with Joey as as the vehicle towards that money. Joey gets so mad at this. I right because it's I, a bald faced lie. Yeah. First off, I I think Serenity is like pulling his leg, like she sees right through Tristan. Is just like relaying all this to Joey just to rile him up because she thinks it's hilarious. Maybe. I mean, she does kind of, like, 
go on a bit about it. Cause she's like, we're, you're so lucky to have such a kind and caring friend to, yeah. to help you to help guide you in the world of dual monsters or whatever <laughs> the fuck she says. So yeah, it could be, it could be that she's, she's savvy to it, which would be good. Yeah. Do I think that that's the case? No, <laughs> I choose to believe. I choose to believe. Well, it's here's the thing is, is I, I, I believe in the character of Serenity enough to think that that might be the case. I don't believe in the writers of the show. Enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, we cut outside. We we kind of get away from this uh the scene, and uh, people are walking to the center of town to to start the Battle City tournament. There's like a shot of a clock, and it's like about time. It's like almost noon or something. About time for the the tournament to begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see this this gang of like kind of punk looking kids, uh, all wearing dual discs, yeah, marching past uh, these two like definitely old white business dudes uh, who <laughs> walk out of this building and they stop and they're like, "Oh, what's 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 going on here?" And one of them's <laughs> one of them's like, "Say, Bob, is that the new fashion trend?" And then the other one, presumably Bob, goes, ah, yes, they're giant wristwatches. I've seen them all over town. <laughs> Kids today in their weird fashion, am I right? And one of them literally stops. Yeah, these <laughs> incredibly pointy-faced punk teenagers. They look like anime versions of Beavis and Butthead. Ah, yes, that's exactly what it is. Absolutely. They stop for some reason. They overhear this conversation and they go, actually, old man, this is a dual disc. And they like explain the whole dual disc system basically in, in, I don't know, two sentences. This is like one of my favorite parts of this episode is just this peanut gallery of the two like middle-aged business guys who have no idea what's going on. And these obnoxious, pointy-faced teenagers who are explaining things to them. Because they return later in the episode a couple of times. They do, they do. They become kind of like a Statler and Waldorf kind of presence. They they don't mock it, but they do not understand what's happening. (laughs) It's like almost like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern just kind of commenting Mm -hmm. on all the stuff that's going on. Uh, I can't think of a single other time in the series when we've had this much time dedicated to these just like random side characters who are helping with exposition but i love them i mean maybe the cheerleaders from the duke devlin episodes but like even then they they don't get represented in quite the same way these guys are kind of like i feel like they're an audience surrogate for people who have just started watching the show yeah they're kind of a stand-in to like get explained to what's going on right 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 right. and in a way that's not um not like demeaning to the viewer because it's demeaning to them as characters. Yeah, the it joke just... is that the old guys have no idea what's going on, and then these like obnoxious teenagers just are being rude to them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Yugi sort of walks past this. I think. I think you see them in the background of one shot, but he's he's walking, you know, along with everyone else. And he's investigating a clear playing card that he received as part of the the invite for Duelist Kingdom. Uh, and he says, it appears to be part of a map. It's, it's got like a little, like is it like a puzzle piece on it, basically? Something like that. 
Uh, there's uh, some kind of like puzzle piece or like small weirdly shaped chip in the center of this otherwise like perfectly trans transparent like plastic playing card. Mm-hmm. Which is a cool thing. Plastic playing cards are fantastic. I love I love me a good clear card. Uh, so it was included. Was it in the dual disc or with the dual disc? It was. Like... It came in the box. Okay. Okay. Prize inside. Right. He got it in so a he... cracker jack. <laughs> the the duelist cracker jack uh so it, my catch is up to him and she's you know like hey cool like everybody's showing up a lot of a lot of losers to beat basically yeah my gets all excited i wonder whose butt i should kick first looking at all this like <laughs> fresh meat walking around because like in like the center of town probably like 80 percent of people are walking around with dual discs it's like the first month right. Pokemon Go came out and everyone was walking around with their phones catching Pokemon. Oh my god, yeah, that's exactly it. That's yeah, 100%. I I love this scene with Mai because like as we've talked about, she's easily what mid to late 20s. I'd say mid 20s. I wonder if we can even look this up cuz they list the ages of a lot of characters. She's probably like 19 or something like that. 24. 24. All right. 24. Okay. So She's just a 24-year-old woman who is friends with this, like, pre-teenager. Right. That's the thing. Well, let me look up Yugi's age. It's not going to make a difference. 5,000. Uh... So it averages <laughs> out to that she's friends with someone who's, like, 2,000 years old. So right, it's right. fine. Yeah, you know. Um, let's see. Birthday, June 4th. Oh, he's a Gemini. Uh... <laughs> I get it. Um least favorite food shallot okay the fuck is his age don't give me that shit i'm just gonna search how old is yugi what the fuck I, ju I just googled how old is yugi and uh -huh. the answer is between 16 and 38 what I guess he was like 16 during the show, but he his his birth date was June 4th, 1988. Apparently. Okay. 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 All right. So that hmm. So that would make him like 12 at the time that this episode came out then. I guess. It literally does not list it here. Um <laughs> There's a section in the wiki for deck master, and it goes Karibo, uh huh, Dark Magician, uh huh, Kaiser Seahorse. Sure. Which is not a card that we have seen yet. Um, Yugi. Oh, yeah, it gives his height and weight if you, in case you wanted to know that he's 153 centimeters tall. Whatever that yeah. means, because. You know, it's a cartoon. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You know where the 38 comes from? I bet you that means his appearance in GX. Oh, probably. So, okay, so we'll say 16. Yeah. He's but a, like 88. He's a little And this show guy. came out, this show came out in 2002, this uh -huh. episode, in, in the States, so 14. Sure, I can accept that. Okay, so 14 and 20. There's a 10-year age gap. And my, I, 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 like, I feel fine about this given last season where she's essentially like 
oh, I don't have friends because I've been a terrible person for so long. So like I need to do everything I can to keep like to keep people around. So it is kind of fun that she like goes up to Yugi and says hi to Yugi. But then she goes straight back into uh, I'm gonna just gonna go around and just kick some ass. Is that is that cool? Is that okay? All right, awesome. Cool. Uh, See you not, later. Not necessarily even looking for like a fair fight. Literally just looking to take candy from babies. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, oh, look at all these punks walking up. I'm gonna go kick some little kids' asses. Well, see you later, Yugi. Next time I see you, we're gonna be rivals. So, right. bye. You know. Uh, speaking of little kids, Rex and Weevil interrupt their conversation. <laughs> oh, I do want to point out before we get any further. Uh, mm-hmm. Yugi's uh, official stated weight is 42 kilograms. He weighs 92 pounds. He's that a seems... sli- Wait, how tall is he? He is 153 centimeters, I think I said. 153 centimeters. And, and weight? 42 kilograms. 42 kilograms. What's his BMI? <laughs> Are you going to calculate how, how healthy he is? Yeah, I mean the kid just sits around and plays card games. I need to, I need to make sure my boy's doing all right. Not eating shallots. Uh, okay, let's see. Coolconversion.com. Compute your BMI. Uh, Is this going to be like in next... Pokemon where you enter the stats and it finds out he's like lighter than air or something? <laughs> Uh, it's actually not that bad. Body mass index is 17.9, which means your weight it was is within the underweight range. That tracks. Yeah, that tracks. He's a skinny little kid. He's a tiny uh, little boy. To be within the right range for your height, your ideal weight would be between 95 and 128 pounds. So he's not that far off. He just needs a f- to eat a few more of his favorite food, hamburgers. You know, I think <laughs> I think maybe with the Millennium Puzzle, he's in the... <laughs> in the weight room. oh he's like got his toe on the scale by wearing this enormous gold necklace i'm really waiting for the day, for the day when it's instead of a duel it's a foot race <laughs> and yuki takes the necklace off and is suddenly so much lighter and faster oh well, just like that, imagine uh, running in the with the millennium puzzle it would just be like stabbing you in the sternum the whole time Oh, yeah, you'd have to, like, hold it in both hands yeah. ahead of you, like an ood. <laughs> it's like one of those uh, those races where you have to, like, hold on to, like, an egg or something and keep it from breaking. Not gonna lie, I'm really good at those, because it's the one kind of race where you don't have to be fast. <laughs> well, then good news, if you ever find the Millennium Puzzle and have That's, to race. I'd be set. <laughs> Look out, losers. Uh, anyway, Rex and Evil show up. It's uh, those they'd... guys. They do their thing. They do their shtick. Uh, Weevil has some great, like, not even, not great lines, but just great sounds that he makes of, like, <laughs> my my deck is filled with insect monstrosities that will destroy you. <laughs> and, like, does his fucking thing. And Rex is like, yeah, I'm here, too. And then he sees mine. He's like, I'll never forget how you played me like a Chumposaurus at Duelist Kingdom. And then Mako Tsunami shows up and, like, kind of grabs Weevil and kind of puts him in a headlock. And they start spouting off. And, like, Mako's doing all these, like, ocean puns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mako's definitely the big brother of this group. Yeah. 
But I fucking love that all these guys use words related to their deck themes, just like in casual conversation as part of their like bit that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like imagine if Yugi walked around cracking jokes about ghosts and ancient Egypt all the time. Like every time he got in a duel, he'd be like, mm, how puzzling. You don't stand a ghost <laughs> of a chance. I'll send you running home to mummy. You think you're going to win this duel? You're in denial. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to be cryptic. Oh, God. (laughs) But I'm not telling you my strategy. (laughs) I'm trying to come up with a pyramid pun. It's just not working. Uh, Let's let's put this joke in the grave. Um, It's... it's, (sighs) Wait. I... Hmm. Is Yami dead, technically? Hell yeah. Super dead. Extra dead. Or is he, like, did he just, like, get his spirit transferred to this puzzle? We haven't seen it yet. Well, okay. So I can't tell if he's, like, technically a ghost. Hmm. Well, okay. What separates a ghost from a transferred spirit? Whether or not the process killed you. Like your body. Well, okay, but define killed. Did are you are you are you asking whether his body's autonomic systems shut down and like brain and heart? Yeah, uh, is he uh, is his did like whenever he got into the puzzle, was his body still functioning as like 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 just like his spirit has been taken out of his body, but his body is still working. Who knows? I like the question. I don't know that we have an answer to the question in that sense. However, it has been 5,000 years since that happened. So I think no matter how you slice it, that body not going to work no more. Yeah, I mean, for sure, right now, he's super dead. Presently super dead. (laughs) But when he got in the puzzle, he wasn't dead. I, hmm... I mean, I, I know that there's episodes later on where they talk more about that exact process and what happened in the past. So maybe we'll find out. Okay. We, yeah, we get, we get like lots more flashback shit. Um, but yeah, I mean now anyway, like 5,000 years after the fact, I think he is definitely a ghost. Fair. That puzzle done be haunted. (laughs) I do just going back to Rex and Weevil and Mako though. I do wish that like, I could do anything with that kind of confidence of being like, yeah, I'm the bug guy. (laughs) And just walk around with that voice making bug jokes all the time. Right, right. Because it's like, I mean, A, everyone knows that's a bad strategy to give away your whole deal and to have only one deal. Like, that's why Pokemon is so fucking weird. Like, you you come into the Viridian Fortist, and it's, like, the bug trainers. And you go, okay, cool. What's this one? Ooh, a a Weedle. Oh, no. Oh, what's the next one going to be? A Metapod? Oh, If only I had a Fire Lizard. Both things are known for destroying insects. Right. And, like, oh, I got a Fire Bird Pokemon, like, ten (laughs) minutes into this game. Okay, I guess. Like... Bring on your bugs now. Yeah, cool. good. too bad everyone around here has just entire parties of only bugs. Not even entire parties. Okay. Like one on bug. <laughs> Why the fuck do people 
in Pokemon, the random trainers, even if even if they're just like, you know, youngster Joey who wears shorts because they're comfy and easy to wear, like, why do they only have two Pokemon on you? You can carry up to six Pokemon. I you can do it. read a great fan theory about this, and the idea is that people only have just like one Pokemon usually, and Pokemon battles in the Pokemon world are just like friendly bouts. But then one kid rolls up with like a full party that's like all their stats are like perfectly aligned to like destroy your pet. And it's like, Jesus, kid, calm down. This was just supposed to be fun. Oh, so you're the villain. You are the villain of Pokemon. I like that, actually. I don't mind being the villain of Pokemon. Pokemon needs a good villain. It's like you... I'm trying to think of like what a real world example would be, but it's like you invite uh, your friends to play Mario Kart or something, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Le- like one of your friends comes by and he's like, "Oh, I've been training my whole life to be the best player in the world at Mario Kart. This is super serious. I'm going to destroy all of you." And it's like I... we were just having fun. Come on. I have actually lived this not with Mario Kart but with Smash Brothers. Oh. <laughs> where like a bunch of us got together this was like i think at college or or something during that time anyway and we got we all got together and one guy uh oh no no no. this was this was actually at at a previous job uh we got together and this is at a job where we had uh like a tv and we had an n64 and we played smash brothers and just casually one guy says oh yeah i'm nationally ranked in this game and we were all like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? 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 Nationally ranked in like, the N64 version of Smash Brothers? Yeah, weirdly. He was like, yeah, I'd like won a tournament last week. <laughs> and he <laughs> like picked, you know, uh, it's, yeah, Fox is in that one still. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he picks Fox and just like casually. Yeah, doing deal. all these like crazy <laughs> stats and shit all over, the, mm-hmm. all over the place and like perfectly <laughs> frame canceling all your attacks or whatever. And right, it's like, exactly. we're just trying to have fun here. We're just trying to... But anyway... That's what so you, I, the player, I, are doing in Pokemon. I, I really respect the confidence that Rex and Weevil and Mako have, even though it's a bad idea in this game. I really wish that I could be that kind of person who just, like, picked a thing and went for it, you know? And not in the way of, like, oh, your grandma heard that you liked elephants once, and now you get an elephant present every like birthday and Christmas for the rest of your life. Like if it's a thing that you actually liked. Yeah. This like I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you now what that is. Right. I couldn't pick a th- one thing that you're like super into and like your whole aesthetic is based around it. And like all your interests are based around it. Right. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I, 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 I get uncomfortable even thinking about that. Cause I'm like, no, I want to do, I want to like, what would it be sitting and playing video games? <laughs> making this podcast this podcast yeah like weevil is a little bastard but i respect his commitment to the role of the guy with the bug neck yeah exactly and same for rex and i think i think rex is maybe a little bit more self-aware than than weevil and mako mako has no self-awareness just full stop yeah he just kind of lives that life and he, he gets really into it, too. He's, he's very Aquaman. He's like, ah, yes, and it shall be I who becomes king of the sea. I mean of the duelists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, someone has to be the bug guy. It's not much, but it's honest work. 
<laughs> it's a living. It's a living. Uh, in the shadows, a creepy rare hunter. We know he's a rare hunter because he's wearing that same purple cloak that apparently nobody notices. Uh, sits and looks at his laptop and sips espresso. Yeah, he's not even in the shadows. He's like in full daylight and like the table's the out, outside a cafe. He's not even in the shade. Broad daylight in a table outside a cafe, just sitting there in full cultist garb uh, with chain around his neck, sipping his like leafy cup of espresso. Like, did you see the cup that he was holding? It was like a fancy tea oh, set yeah. cup. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very much like he went to the Fru Fru Cafe in town to like do some homework. Yeah, I really want to see. I feel like, I feel like if anywhere, I might be in a place in my life where I could pull off this look. Like it's too warm right now, obviously, but like if anywhere in the world, you know, middle <laughs> middle of England, I could, I could go to a cafe like near the castle. Right uh-huh. in this full robe garb with the the metal necklace and everything, and then just like pull out my laptop and casually browse the internet while drinking a a tiny little cup of espresso. Well, that or does uh does the UK have any comic cons? Because I feel like the one place yes. it would be like acceptable or like not out of the ordinary ordinary to wear something like this would be like outside a comic con like for like four blocks in a, a ra- wide radius. That's very true. And I feel like if they're going to have them anywhere here, it'd be in London and London, you could probably just get away with that anyway. Like nobody, nobody gives a shit about you. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> end Go sentence. For it. Right. Uh, or on Halloween. Right. Uh, so th- this guy is like sort of snickering to himself. He's, he's doing research on his laptop and he's, he's sort of looking around and he's thinking, which new card should I take first? Yeah. He has access to Kaiba corpse. Like the thing that the guy in the last episode, the, the whole computer network that has yeah, every so, duelist, their rarest card and they're like star ranking. Is this like a right. publicly available website now? Well, it's explained a little bit. Uh, so it's, it's, was revealed in the last episode that that guy was a rare hunter, mm-hmm. right? And like called the rare hunters to, to go get the red eyes, black dragon. This guy has access to that same system through what we're assuming for the time being are nefarious sort of deeds. Do you think the guy be... working for Kaiba Corp is a mole and just is let ever, letting everyone else use his login? I kind of like actually, sharing Netflix that's... passwords. Right. Except it's I was Kyber gonna say Corp that, database. That or there's like a rare hunter like admin somewhere who's just doing all the clerical work of like manually writing down everything. <laughs> and they built like a second database. Like when they tried bringing MySpace back and it said that they had everyone's information, but it like wasn't exactly right. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have their own like fan wiki. Right. Exactly. That's no, that's exactly what it is. It's a Duelist Kingdom fan wiki. <laughs> Uh, so he's looking around and he's like, Oh, all the rare cards for the taking. All right. Um, and he is interrupted in a way, uh, by Kaiba announcing the start of the tournament. Kaiba announces the tournament in a classically Kaiba fashion. (laughs) This was so Kaiba. That's our Kaiba. That's our Kaiba. So, uh, like the TV screens that we saw in the last episode or two episodes ago, I guess, like go up all over town. Um, and and it's they? sort of like a, hmm? 
Do they? I don't rem- I don't remember that. Like nothing comes on nothing is the thing, but I remember yeah. them turning on and there's a sound and there's a there's a voice and we get shots of like everyone that we've met so far in the episode being like, who's that voice? That sounds like Kaiba. Could it be Kaiba? Yeah, there's just a clip of him saying, attention. I can't do the Kaiba voice, but attention, duelists. You yeah. do the voice. Attention, duelists. There you go. And everyone's like looking around. What? Where, where's Kaiba? I don't see him. Uh, suddenly, a shadow falls over the city. And, and at this point, it's not even like, where's Kaiba? It's asking whether it is Kaiba. Yeah. Maya's straight up like, who is that? <laughs> who is that obnoxiously voiced guy? I wonder. Uh, so, uh, so a shadow falls over the city. Jimmy, I need you to describe to me what appears. <laughs> <laughs> the shadow, it's like in a movie when like alien spaceships appear over New York and it's about to get blown up. There's this shadow crawls over the crowd as people gradually like fall into shadow. They look up and gasp. It's a blimp with a giant, like, Jumbotron screen hanging underneath showing Kaiba's face. The classy bastard. <laughs> with the Kaiba Corp logo on the side. It's so good. It's the giant, like, it's a, it's bigger than even, like, the Goodyear blimp. Yeah, the Kai blimp. It, right. It's it's like that, uh, oh, what's it called? That, like, experimental blimp, the, like, Airbus or whatever it is they're calling it. Oh, that giant one that's shaped like the, the guppy? That one? Yes. I think I think so. It looks kind of like the Wienermobile. Yeah, if you stuck two Wienermobiles together and also right. they were like six times as large. Right, right, right. So it's that size, but it looks like a classic like Zeppelin, right? Uh-huh. Like a, you're watching like Batman the Animated Series That's or exactly what I was thinking. And then it's got just the biggest television screen. <laughs> it's like bigger than a house. Yeah. Like, way bigger than even, like, like a stadium Jumbotron. Mm-hmm. This is, like, four Jumbotrons taped together. <laughs> yeah. It's like... <laughs> I'm picturing them actually taped together now. <laughs> but it's like, how many damn aircraft does Kaiba own? He's got his helicopter. He's got this blimp. He's got the blue eyes white jet. Uh, he's got... Well, we know from context that he has rockets so he can launch all his satellites. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, when when you are a multimillionaire uh, heir to a, a theme park and holographic technology, question mark, uh, 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 fortune. When you're licensing hard light weapons to all the world's governments, you become, you can basically have as many of any vehicles you want. Yeah. See, what I, what I really want is I want... Maybe in the next season we'll get this, but I really want to explore Kaiba's land-based vehicles. <laughs> you think there's a Kaiba tank? Uh, w- I mean, really what I want is a motorcycle shaped like Blue Eyes White Dragon. <laughs> the Kaiba cycle. The Kaiba cycle. Uh, so uh, all of this is happening, and, and Kaiba sort of introduces himself again to the to the people. And we cut back to the, the businessmen <laughs> from before. guys. <laughs> and, and one of them goes, wow. All that for a card game? <laughs> Thank you, random businessman. <laughs> the one sane person in this entire world who's somehow never heard of Duel Monsters before. Right, the one game in existence. This is how boring this person is, as he is all business all the time. Uh, Kaiba sort of reveals, like, all right, it's a tournament. You know that part. 
the thing that I haven't told you so far is that only the eight best duelists will make it to the final round. Mm-hmm. And the final round is in a secret location to which somebody, I think it's Weevil, somebody's like, well, how are we going to get to the location if we're in the top eight? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, everyone, like, every time Kaiba says something, it cuts, like, Mako or whoever, just kind of yelling at the sky. <laughs> yeah, replying as though Kaiba can hear them. Yeah. But to be fair, Kaiba does respond. Kaiba says, okay, the locator card that you got, and he's referring to that clear card that Yugi was checking out earlier, when you get six of these locator cards stacked together, they complete the puzzle and create a map of Battle City. And that will do two things. One, that will send a message to the Kaiba Corp satellites saying that you are in the top eight. Two, the Kaiba Corp satellites will return a dynamic map to the locator cards so that you can use the locator cards as a GPS. And it will give you walking directions to the secret location. Who the fuck knows how that works? But he shows a picture of like, okay, here are the six cards like stacking on top of each other. And then magically a line is drawn from your location, I guess, to the secret location. Who knows? Because they just look like little chips inside. If that. Yeah. Yeah. Like stickers. Yeah. I don't know how I... I assume in the far future of this podcast, we'll find out after 16 three-part episodes in a row, we'll find out how these <laughs> cards work. No, I don't. I See, I, I like the mystery is the thing. I just like sort of being, okay, it's Kaiba Corp technology. It's super advanced. Kaiba's a genius. We get it. We get it. We get it. Locator cards. You need six of them. Okay, cool. I have a different logistical question for you, though. So you need six of these cards to to win Mm -hmm. what happens if you get six of the same card (laughs) yeah kaiba has like an example he like puts some of the cards together to form like the map but it's Mm -hmm. like each little chip is like part of a puzzle piece right a different piece of the puzzle yeah and presumably they're not just you know six cards like because of how many people are in the tournament there have to be some people who have the same locator cards yeah right how do you how do you account for that (laughs) is there a place where you can go and exchange locator cards can you pop into the gift shop and be like hey i've got like three of the same can i get a bottom left piece and and a top right corner i can we can only theorize at this point my guess is if you have six different cards, it doesn't matter what their configuration is, but they have like some NFC kind of deal where they mm-hmm. they uh, they like scan each other and see that you have six of them, and then they activate the GPS. And then how does it work from there? Fuck if, if I know. If it doesn't, right? Because part of it is it has to show you the full map, right? That's where their puzzle piece is. I guess. Is. So if you only have one part of the map even if you have six cards and it tells them like, Hey, you're in the top six, like, or the top eight or whatever, you're still kind of boned. Cause like, <laughs> how are you going to find it yeah, at that point? It's so like you don't if have you, the full map. If you take, uh, like Google maps o- or something on your phone and then you had to like tape over like 80% of it. So there's just like a, p- a part of a corner and trying to navigate through that. I don't know. I don't fucking know. 
Uh, but it's not important, and we move on. Uh, Joey runs into the crowd, and he tracks down the rare hunter uh, sipping his espresso, who uh, it turns out is the rare hunter that took the red-eyes black dragon. Uh, <laughs> he, he sort of confronts him, and he's like, hey, you know, you got to give me my card back, and, and I challenge you to a duel. And the rare hunter is like, you fool. <laughs> and Joey's like, I have learned one thing, and that's never let an old creep in a cape slap you around. And uh, <laughs> the rare hunter says to him, he says, uh, he doesn't have uh, any reason to accept. And he says it in his, like, weird, almost foghorn leghorn voice. Yeah, his voice. Uh, I put a note around here earlier, but he sounds like almost like a horse racing commentator who has just ran 12 blocks. <laughs> <laughs> He sounds that's like it, he just exactly got it. punched in the gut and is winded. Like, I'm gonna get you. Right, right, right. He <laughs> he explains that he doesn't have any reason to accept Joey's duel because I don't he have already any has reason to accept your duel. <laughs> I already, already have Joey's... your bl- your red eyes, black dragon. <laughs> There's no point to me accepting your duel. It's completely point- <laughs> pointless. I'm exaggerating, but that's what he sounds like. You're only exaggerating slightly is the funny thing. So Yugi runs up and he's like, Joey, what's going on? What are you yelling about? Because Joey's literally just like in this town square yelling at this dude. Yeah, he's just pointing and hollering at this guy who's just sitting at a table drinking from his teacup. Uh, Before Joey can answer, Yugi recognizes the cultist robes. He has this whole flashback being like, wait a second. That guy's wearing robes that match the robes that Bandit Keith was wearing. Could this guy be uh, affiliated with the secret organization that mind-controlled Bandit Keith? Where's Bandit Keith? What do these robes have to do with things? What does this have to do with my destiny? And, like, does a whole monologue to himself before the conversation continues. And Joey is just like, they call themselves rare hunters, which to me translates into cape-wearing, card-taking freakazoids. I'm a New Yorker, yeah. Come walking here. Forget about I mean, it. We we have established that we're in America now, so yes, this is the most New York that New York Joey can be. Uh, the rare hunter instead challenges Yugi for for his dark magician card, uh, and Yugi accepts. He's like, "Yeah, let's let's do this." Uh, to which Joey says, uh, what, "What does he say? I can't I, I can't do the accent right now. I can't let you risk your dark magician, but like." That's literally is going to happen every single time Yugi duels anyone in this tournament. Yeah, and he points that out, too. He's like, you know what? I had to risk it at some point. I might as well risk it against this loser. Like, I want to help you get your red eyes back because I'm a good friend. Hey. Uh, Joey starts to go, no, no, wait. You don't understand. This guy this kicked guy my ass gonna... with five Exodias. <laughs> right. Well, and he starts to say that, but then the Red Hunter is like, no, no, no. Like, if you give away my strategy, I will physically tear up the red eyes black dragon card yeah like don't don't give it away but like i feel like that's something joey should have definitely mentioned to yugi like a night ago or two nights ago whenever he showed up at the the hospital they've had so many opportunities for a conversation a conversation uh between now and then like they could have talked. They probably should have talked about I this. I feel like that would have been important to be like, hey, Yugi, you know that card that you have that no one's ever been able to play before because it's so rare? 
the guy who beat me up and took my card had like five of those. Right. You would think that if you saw potentially the most rare thing in the game that is the most important to you, like you would tell your best friend about it maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the duel begins. Hey, Tyler, uh, you know that guy who beat me up in an alleyway and took my magic cards? He had like six again, black Jimmy. lotuses. <laughs> uh a i don't think black lotuses were tournament legal anymore B, they're not can't you only have four <laughs> anyway not this guy i guess i guess so the duel begins uh they they bring out their duel discs and they they uh do that whole semi-transformation sequence where like the arm of the duel disc pops down and then like unfolds essentially yeah, like goes, more whoop, of it whoop, comes whoop. out and the hollow imagers and... pop out like into the crowd because this crowd has yeah. assembled around them. But ho- like the hollow... giant batarang thing. Yeah, they're, they're easily like what, like the size of like a cantaloupe or something with the bat wings coming out of that. Maybe, yeah. I can't even imagine how heavy those are to keep on your arm. But solid metal. And so there's right. got to be a clip from this universe's America's Funniest Home Videos of someone getting hit in the nads by a hollow immature when someone's just shooting them <laughs> out willy-nilly in a crowd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, right? Like, it's going to happen at some point. It's going to be Joey, too. Yeah, it's going to be thing. a shot of Joey being like, yeah, and then suddenly he gets hit, like, poof, right in the junk with the hollow <laughs> immature that Yugi shoots like, out. <laughs> He's like he's he's in the middle of his own duel and some rando like tries to start a duel right next to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh so the the as soon as it starts, the Kaiba satellite uh picks up the duel. We hear this computer voice this being like be a duel is commencing. When, when they invent YouTube in this world, it'll be let's just on loop with just Joey going oof oof and then in slow motion it just showing the <laughs> Just like a zoomed in shot of Joey getting hit in the junk by the hollow imager. It's like slow motion oof, frame by frame. <laughs> Epic fail. It's 2008 <laughs> now. And then the, the reposted versions where it's the, um, the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme So Kaiba Satellite picks up the duel. We hear a voice being like, the first duel of uh, the Battle City Tournament has commenced. Registering duelists as Yugi Moto versus, and then I don't think it says the other person's Some name. random guy. But it's streaming it to Kaiba Corp headquarters. Yeah, we see this, this shot is of the Kaiba Corp satellite in orbit, like scanning the city. Uh, and I guess it just has an AI that's saying all this stuff out loud. Who's it saying it to? I have no idea. It kind of implies that it's saying it to Kaiba. Probably. Like this, this sounds like the AI voice that we got last season. But yeah, it's kind of just like, okay, why is this satellite talking? It's really also, we're in space to us, the audience. Right. Uh, we get a, a really cool shot of like the mission control, like center, I guess, for Kaiba Corp. Yeah, his like giant stupid uh, headquarters. Has like a full massive headquarters, comma giant and stupid. Is <laughs> absolutely massive NASA-style mission control, uh, in which Kaiba is just using like three giant walls of screens to watch duels and stuff, and has like information on Yugi and like shots of his face from various angles. Um, 
I mean, besides that, that kind of sounds ideal. Having like three giant walls of big screen TVs just being like, all right, let's let's sit back and watch some video games or card games or what have yeah. you. Um, I want to point out all of Kaiba's employees are bright, colorful haired anime girls who are wearing white mm-hmm. suits and like VR headsets. Yeah. And they're doing that thing where they're like they're looking into the VR headset and typing on a keyboard. So they're not looking at the keyboard. They're not like looking at any physical screen. It's all like heads up displays in their glasses. It's very ghost in the shell. I was just thinking that because this is a common trope. I've actually seen it on TV tropes before in anime when they're like, there's some control center uh, Mm -hmm. and like all the people who are like running it are just, they're all women who are like typing very fast. Yeah. And they all look the same. Yeah. All very similar Uh, looking anime girls we kind of see it in uh neon genesis too yeah i guess we do Except huh? we, there's more variety there but like anytime they're in the control it's still area yeah yeah uh it, it almost like i think it struck me so so close to to ghost in the machine ghost in the machine ghost in the shell uh i half expected at least one of these girls to be revealed to be a robot and be like that that thing in, like in Ghost in the Shell where like their hand splits where open the hand, and yeah, the, the fingers hand pops turn into like the... 16 tiny fingers that are all like mm-hmm. typity, typity, typity. Maybe they are. They all look exactly the same. Who knows? That's the next Kaiba Corp invention. Or maybe, Human clones. Yeah. Or maybe Kaiba is just uh, going through puberty and wants a bunch of anime girls around doing his bidding. I mean... Yeah, that's probably more accurate. Uh, but so, okay. Uh, so they're watching the, the duel and uh, they, oh, where did it go? I wrote down a note about this. They uh, are talking about the the people dueling. Did I not write this down? Because uh, what happens is, is they don't recognize the other duelist, right? Yeah. And they're trying to pull up information, and Mokuba pulls up the information, and it's revealed that oh, this the comes rare later. hunter. Does this come later? Yeah. Okay, then I'm going to talk about it later. They they go to learn some things about the rare hunter anyway. But first, the duel starts. It's time to duel. Finally. Finally. Uh, like 15 minutes into a 20 minute episode, or you know, an hour and 20 minutes into a podcast. Uh, so. Uh, Yugi starts the duel by uh, placing two cards face down and then summoning our very favorite sweet child, Beta the Magnet Warrior. It's our boy. He's our sweet baby boy who must be protected at all costs. Uh, we cut to the businessmen. And <laughs> <laughs> These fucking guys. And one of them's like, oh, what's that, Bob? And Bob goes, well, it's uh, obviously a big yellow magnet with eyeballs. <laughs> reason these guys needed to be here in this scene but i'm so glad they are i'm so glad and then and then the the fucking i hope they stick around the the beavis and butthead characters are like um actually old man that's a dual monster that's a a powerful representation of i don't even know what what the fuck they say something along the lines of like it's being projected as a holographic 3d image by the holo imagers or something it has attack and defense points, and that's how you win the duel. Yeah, old man. 
God, uh, these characters. So good. So good. What's that, Bob? <laughs> uh, so Rare Hunter plays, you guessed it, Graceful Charity, his, his favorite card from the last episode, uh, which means that he draws three cards and discards two of them. He looks at his hand, and he now has two of the five Exodia pieces. So he's well on his way as of turn one. Uh, Yugi plays Light of Intervention, which reveals any hidden monsters on the Rare Hunter side of the field. I don't think he has any at the moment, but just so like, just in case he starts putting down face down cards. Uh, Rare Hunter plays Stone Statue of the Aztecs in defense mode to to put up some some barrier between Yugi and himself. It's literally, I'm just reading your note now, it's it's literally Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't make a note about this guy because I no, was, I, I, I have never even seen Legends of the Hidden Temple and I saw this guy and I was like, this is some Legends of the Hidden Temple ass bullshit going on. Stop the fucking show. You have what? I have never watched Legends of the Hidden Temple. Jimmy. Yes. Jimmy. <laughs> that show is a staple for me. I know. I, can, I if I thought it would be a more interesting show, this this podcast would be podcast of the hidden temple. Like but it's the same show every every week is the is the issue. Yeah. Legend of the Hidden Temple was transformative. Yeah. <laughs> for I, me I, and I for television. Uh let me I'll I'll put together a YouTube playlist for you. <laughs> okay. Uh okay. So uh Yugi uh reminds us that there is the new tournament rule where in order to summon a more powerful monster you have to tribute or sacrifice uh multiple monsters depending on the level of the monster you want to summon so he sacrifices the face down card and i didn't even write down its name because it's not important uh and or no pardon me he sacrifices both the face down cards is that right yeah. yeah, and the monster he has out. He sacri- our sweet... He sacrifices our sweet boy. Our sweet child. Beta the Magnet Warrior He blood is sacrifices Beta the Magnet Warrior so he can bring out a bigger monster. Yugi has committed an unforgivable crime. He's done blood and, magic. And he doesn't even stop there, right? He tribute summons these cards to summon two powerful cards. More powerful cards, I suppose. I forget uh, what this monster is named, but it doesn't matter because it also dies instantly. Right. So he, he summons these two new monsters that have weird names that we don't remember. One of them is named like Gazelle, Lord of the Monsters or something. Oh, right. Uh, and then he plays Polymerization to fuse the two new monsters together into Chimera, the Flying Mythical Beast. You know, Chimera from mythology. Right. <laughs> literally just literally just the mythological creature chimera yep uh and then he goes oh and i play another card face down Bloop. yeah he has a turn that lasts like five minutes doing all this shit yugi is finally becoming the really annoying person to play against where like their turn just lasts forever he becomes the blue player right 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 all In his a lot cards of ways, yeah. like fucking cascade off each other to do all kinds of nonsense He's he's um to use Hearthstone uh terminology he is a zoo warlock. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I know exactly what that is just from the description. <laughs> One person out there is like, yeah, fuck that guy. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, so he plays it a card face down. Rare Hunter plays uh, another Graceful Charity, does the hokey pokey, turns himself around. That's what it's all about. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, now has three of the five cards, I think, when he looks at his hand. He gets another piece, essentially, to Exodia. It's at this point that the Kaiba Court Mission Control realizes that the Rare Hunter was not in the dual system, was not even on their database until about a week ago. And Kaiba goes, what? That's not possible. I know everything about every duelist ever. If you've ever, pl- if you've ever even thought about playing a card game, I have your name. I have your blood type. <laughs> if you've ever sneezed near a card, I have your DNA. Um, yeah, so he's freaking out about that. Mokuba, who I'm convinced Mokuba is just like the the best business manager at this point. Like Mokuba is like the general manager of everything. Yeah, he's like uh, what six, but because of yeah, nepotism, he is like second in command at this company. And he's good at it too, is the thing, because he jumps immediately to okay, we need to disqualify this person because what clearly happened is they hacked the system, which is something that the AI confirms of like, okay, he hacked his way in, which is nuts. Yeah. And bad and also he's in this tournament illegally so get him out of here right but then kaiba goes no 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 no. wait a second i know exactly who this is like he realizes in that moment that this is a rare hunter which was all according to his plan all his according plan, to quote plan. Unquote. uh he, t- he tells mokuba trust the process and says all right this is the start i've lured the rare hunters in now I'm going to get the rare cards that I need. I'm going to find the Egyptian god cards. We cut back to the rare hunter, revealing now, okay, he's hacked his way into the tournament. And I think, Jimmy, to answer your question from earlier, I think this is it. I think they are accessing the Kaiba Corp database, and I think the rare hunters just collectively have a backdoor <laughs> password to the database. They've right? hacked like, the mainframe. Right, exactly. Uh the rare hunter's internal monologue reveals because <laughs> this whole time. Okay. So this whole time Joey is freaking out because the rare hunter is hinting that he knows what he's going to draw. And Joey's freaking out because he knows that it's because he has a lot of Exodia cards. Yeah. And Yugi is thinking, how is this guy like 360 no scoping his, his deck? Yeah, and Joey and can't say anything because he'll get his red eyes black uh, ripped up. Right, exactly. It's revealed through the Rare Hunter's internal monologue. Just as a side that, note, just, just as a as throwaway a, line. Just as a, you know, whatever. That he uses invisible ink and an x-ray contact lens <laughs> to see what card he'll draw next. Which is a thing that exists now. And, like, how does that even work? Like, okay, invisible ink would be one thing, right? Where, like, okay, you can see just barely that you've written Exodia 1 of 5 on the back of this card, right? Left leg of the forbidden one or whatever. Right, right, right. But then to bring in the x-ray contact lens, A, x-ray does not mean that you can see invisible ink. (laughs) B... X-ray. X-ray would mean you see through the whole deck. How the fuck does that work? 
and we get this like he like the deck in his hand and it like zooms in and the camera shakes and it's revealed that he can see like the actual like text and art of the card like the next card that he is going to draw he's like sweet i'm gonna get an exodia piece next so this guy has a he just has a little uh friggin contact lens that is basically doing the metroid prime visor thing and he can see like all the cards stacked up in his hand and presumably his own bones right (laughs) and the internal workings of the dual disc (laughs) yeah he is giving himself arm cancer just to (laughs) you win at this thing because that's how x-rays work here apparently uh I really am sad that Mai ran off when she did because I really want her to be around when this guy's thing is revealed. <laughs> Just so she can be like, wait a second, I tried that. Except I was well, bullshitting I mean, not, the whole time. Right, except I, I did it much better. Yeah. And it smelled better. Uh, but they don't they don't bring it up uh, in this episode again. It's just kind of like the rare hunter being like, in addition to being a dick and stacking my deck with rare cards, I cheat. <laughs> In Just a, in case you weren't sure who the villain was. In addition to having a fuck ton of Exodias, uh, I'm cheating at getting more Exodia pieces. Uh, right. Uh, he doesn't play an Exodia, though. He plays Gear Golem, the Moving Fortress, in defense mode. So another just big stone wall, effectively. Yeah. A big pointy robot thing. Right. Uh, Yugi is kind of wondering, like, okay, he's clearly sort of building up for something. He's protecting himself. He's drawing cards. He's waiting for something to happen. He's waiting to get something in his hand. Joey goes, okay, I can't, I can't take this anymore. I need to step in because I can't let Yugi lose to this guy in the same way that I lost because I want Yugi to be in this tournament. Yugi goes, no, stops him, says, okay, you need to, you need to stand down. Like I want to help you here because I'm your friend and that's what friends do. And then they have a flashback to when uh, Weevil threw Yugi's Exodia cards into the ocean. And Joey, Joey jumped leapt in, in, recovered them all, right? Presumably. Or recovered, presumably, recovered some of them at least. And was like, that's what that's what friends do, right? Like they, they help each other out in, in these times. And so he is returning the favor to Joey. And in having that flashback, does like a Jimmy Neutron brain blast and realizes, Wait a minute. oh, Exodia. This guy must be stalling for time to get his own Exodia. Obviously, bum bum bum. Clearly, that could be the only strategy. <laughs> There's no other reason why this guy would not be attacking me. And uh, and he like calls him out on it he goes all right rare hunter i've i've found your game i will defeat you before you can play exodia and everyone like freaks out and the rare hunter's like wait a second yeah, what it's like this full 360 like camera move around him swirling around yugi as he like points like phoenix Wright style directly at the rare hunter and then objection objection <laughs> and just like in like a phoenix Wright moment uh, the rare hunter just has a full mental breakdown. He's like, what? And there's like a physical explosion. He's blown backwards. Wiggity, wiggity, what? <laughs> By realizing that Yugi is onto his plan. Yeah, I mean, he has, he has a free guard for like a second. Yeah. And then he's like, well, that doesn't change anything. Like, I still have three Exodias in my, <laughs> in my deck. Like, I'm gonna win. Yeah. 
I've got Exodius uh, and, for days. <laughs> and he he he, uh, he says to to Yugi, uh, "Give up, Yugi. My hunt is over." Bum, bum, bum. And then then we fade to black. To yeah, be continued. to be continued. Yugi has this vision, Ta-da. like it's a freeze frame zooming out of Yugi being stared down, stared down by the rare hunter, and behind him there's this giant Exodia looming. Because he's going to be oh, yeah. obliterated next time. Yeah, I forgot about the giant Exodia like vision that he has, which is really creepy too. Like Exodia just looks weird, right? He's just a giant muscly guy with big fangs. He's he's all shoulders. <laughs> he's all shoulders and biceps and like pecs. A teeny little head. <laughs> he does have a teeny little pea brain, doesn't he? With with no lips, like he's just got teeth showing at all times. Yeah. Uh, he had the forbidden gains <laughs> uh jimmy what was your favorite part of this episode hmm you know what it hasn't even occurred to me to come up with a favorite part of this episode uh, i guess my favorite part is we're finally 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 after seven episodes getting to the actual battle city here it goes. Yeah, here it is. Battle City it's begins. Been ramping up to it for what in many other shows would be like half a season. And yet, here right. we go. We're here f- we are. The liter- Yugi and the Rare Hunter are literally in the very first duel of Battle City. Yep. Finally. Let's get let's Finally. get some Battle City going. Actually, wait, you know what? I'm wrong. This is not my favorite part. My favorite part is okay. Bob the businessman and I... <laughs> the businessman and Beavis and Butthead. Yep. The ongoing yep. peanut gallery. I so that's what I was going to say for my favorite as well because these guys are my absolute favorite. I've been trying to figure out what their names are. Yeah, there's um, no besides Bob and other yeah. businessmen. But we've never seen this kind of attention given to any other uh, side characters in the show before, and I really hope they stick around. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to even Google it. Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Bob. You know what? Who? What these four guys remind me of? Uh, hmm. All those the the side characters in Pirates of the Caribbean. Because you have those yes. two dumpy royal guards, and then you have the two dorky, stupid pirates. Yep. And then in the later movies, they're like hanging out with each other, and that's what this reminds me of. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 I, I really truly hope that these guys stick around because it would be really cool just to see like two normal dudes who probably need to go back to work. I'm guessing like they're on their lunch break or something. Yeah, or like they're on their way to work, but the entire city is shut down, so all these kids can play card games with each other. And this is the first time these guys have even heard of this game. And it's in full, like, 3D holograms. I would love a spinoff. Just, like, a few episodes, right? Like, it wouldn't be long. It'd be, like, a YouTube short, A miniseries. A miniseries of these two dudes who never really talked before. Like, they've worked in cubicles next to each other for years, right? Uh, And then this happens. The city shuts down for a tournament. They have no idea what's going on. And they decide... To, to follow it right to see to see what the thing is 
And it's just the story of them playing hooky from work for the first time in a decade, just like taking off work and, and just hanging out. Right. And like getting, getting a sandwich while watching a duel or like, (laughs) Ta- yeah. Talking about the things that they learn about Yu-Gi-Oh. They're just going down to the corner cafe to get a sandwich. They sit in the little tables outside, while in the background, some like giant three-headed dragon is attacking uh, a mechanical robot soldier knight. I think that'd like, be beautiful. And they're just like their in- reaction to all of this crazy shit going down is just like, "Huh? How about yeah. that, Bob? You and don't see learn, that every day." They- and they become friends in the process. This is oddly heartwarming. And they like, they're like tutored in all this stuff by these obnoxious teenagers. Right. And then, and then at the end, uh, I don't know, one of them becomes a duelist or something. Uh, I was looking at Bob in Yu-Gi-Oh. Does he have a wiki there, article? So there's a Bob disambiguation page on the Yu-Gi-Oh wikia. And it says, Bob may refer to any of the following characters. One, Bob McGuire, a hitman hired to work at the Stardust shootout stage of Death T, uh, which is in the manga, I think. Yes, that was Kaiba's giant murder tower. That's right. Bob Banter, a dual academy student in Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. Bob Banter, if I remember correctly, is the game show host. Uh, Or Bob a dual academy student in Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds. Those so are the only no... Bobs. Right. There's there no mention no of our, mention our friend of Bob, Bob, the businessman. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try another another Google here. Battle. Battle City Bob. Okay. While you do that, tell me, or while I do this, you tell me your uh, least favorite. My least favorite part of this is the whole, like, tension that results from Joey just not telling Yugi that some guy kicked his ass with Exodia. I feel like that's critical information that you would tell someone. Uh, The only other person, the only person you know in existence who's ever played Exodia might want to know that you got mugged by someone who had a whole bunch of Exodias. A card that has never been played before in the history of the game. And this guy has just stacked his deck with that. Yeah, I mean, it. like we were saying last week, it's buck wild enough that somebody else even like has an Exodia because it just was treated as such a like godlike thing. Yeah. And, and that was the whole, that's the whole crux of this tournament, right? Is that Kaiba wants cards that are more powerful than Exodia. And then suddenly, like, oh, hey, Exodia, I've got three. One thingamabobs, I've got 20. (laughs) But who cares? Uh, No big deal. I want more. That's Kaiba. I'm going to I'm going to give up on googling Bob uh, because the first thing that came up or the the, rather the last thing that came up was Mr. Tsunami uh, Mako's dad. (laughs) Please, Uh, Mr. Tsunami was my father. (laughs) Who I don't I don't think is the person that I'm looking for. Anyway, uh, yeah, the yeah, the whole the whole Mako, this guy having Exodia. Mako's thing dad me. is just a regular businessman who just happens to be named Tsunami, and Mako is the one who's like <laughs> super into the like island like guy vibe. Right, right, right. He wants to be Johnny Tsunami from the hit Disney Channel original movie Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like their family name. They have nothing to do with the ocean. Right. 
He just went and got super tan so he could look the part. I, uh, when I fenced in high school, two of my friends uh, who also fenced, their last name was Slaughter. <laughs> so just sort of a, you know. Kind of ominous. Life imitating art, imitating life sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, hmm. The Exodia thing still bothers me. I don't know that it's my worst for this episode necessarily, but I, if we're already showing new cards, I almost wish that it had been just a completely new thing, right? Like similar to Exodia where you needed to get five cards all at once, but like just, I don't know, call it something else. (laughs) Yeah. Something that wasn't like already like canonically the most powerful card. And there's like one of them ish. Right. And no one's ever been able to find the pieces and use them in a tournament. You feel like this would, either, be, this would have cropped up before now if someone had a whole bunch of Exodias. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and for Kaiba to be somebody who has a registry of every Duel Monsters card that's ever been played, like, either not picking up on this dude's shit is like, okay, your computer doesn't work as well as you thought it did, or Yugi's not as special as we, the audience, have been led to believe. Yeah, if right? I was Kaiba and I had a database of every duelist in my tournament and their entire deck, you'd think you would have like a flag if someone had a piece of Exodia because that's a rare card. And then the one guy enters and he's got, oops, all Exodias. Right. Uh, you'd think he would have noticed. Right. There should be like a, like a Google alert for that. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Exodia alert. <laughs> Exodia alert is is like a, is like a is an app for your phone. It's like an alarm, but, but if you if you hit snooze too many times, your phone explodes. It's like life alert. Help! I've been oh, obliterated and I can't get up. <laughs> uh, it's just a it's a miniature Millennium Puzzle necklace that you wear. You, <laughs> you press, press the, the eye, it. it starts blinking. Oh, so good. It's okay, ma'am. We'll, uh, a duelist will be with you shortly to restore your life points. <laughs> I'm tr- Jimmy, I'm trying to decide what my worst is. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. So my, uh, I'm going to say my honorary best real quick. My honorary best is seeing my and Mako and Rex and Weevil back. Getting the gang back together. I them dearly. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more of them in future episodes. All these assholes who were early cannon fodder at the beginning of the last season. They're back. Yeah. These these assholes are what make the show great. <laughs> um, my least favorite is how much screen time Exodia gets. Specifically because Exodia looks so fucking weird. <laughs> Really? I thought I, it would have been because he does not actually appear in this episode. They show Exodia not appearing whole, in this film. <laughs> it's just the suit of armor, but Exodia's face is in it. <laughs> no, I... Okay. they show Exodia do, so much, but they do don't me, actually play him. Do me a quick favor and just, like, Google Exodia, right? Okay, if I have to. Look up Exodia. And... The thing that bothers me is like just the fucking face area mm-hmm. is so weird and cartoony, and you've got this like 
big muscly body, right? And then just a teeny little head. <laughs> and it's yeah, okay, fine. He's wearing like a big pharaoh headdress or whatever, but a teeny he little does head. Have a tiny tiny little head. Tiny tiny little head. Tiny tiny little eyes. And then this mouth that's like permanently affixed in a lipless grimace. Yeah, it looks like he got his lips removed. I feel like I've seen right. that kind of thing in a movie before where it's on some monster. Maybe in like I mean, Hellboy like, or something. Hellboy, the mummy comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Appropriate. Um, I'm trying to remember if the 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 um, the pale man from like Pan's Labyrinth mm. has this going on. And like, okay, that like that kind of thing on its own would be creepy, but when you put it on a tiny little head with a big body, it just makes it like weirdly comical. <laughs> where you're like kind of scared of this dude, but also can't take his tiny face seriously. It's like it, it's like the tiny face meme. Yeah, you know, like when Mitt Romney was running for president, and everybody was like, "Oh, this dude has a tiny face," and they photoshopped it to get progressively smaller. Uh-huh. I kinda That's like, what it feels like to me. I kind of like Exodia, though, his design. I feel like uh, you take a look at Exodia and it's like, yes, this is a monster who has been like exiled for his crimes or his sins or whatever. This is, a, a for, this is the Forbidden One. He is a dual monster. Yeah, like I get that part. Like I get... I, he looks monstrous. It is, cool. it is cool that you need to play five cards to get this one monster, right? Mm-hmm. Like that part is really neat. I just don't I don't know. There's something about the way that he's drawn in this episode that just makes me really uncomfortable and I just I'm just not here for it. Just like a big oily wrestler or something. Yeah. Like a bodybuilder. Don't make me look at that. I'm here to I'm here to play card games and chew bubblegum. I don't want to look at this dude's weird face. It's like one of those pictures to see of like Russian bodybuilders where they've obviously had a shit ton of steroids. And it's, like, mm-hmm. almost uncomfortable to look at their body because there's no way they can, like, even, like, close their arms all the way because their muscles are so big. That's what Exodia looks yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. That's to de- get that's to this point, part it's of kind it. of fucked up. And it's something, I don't know, I, I, keep, I can't look away from the face. It just, ugh, 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 go, go away. He does have those weird purple lips. Yeah, yeah, right. Or, like, lip areas. And it's like a weird permanent Joker smile. Yeah, a rictus but grin. The, but like while gritting its teeth, I don't know. Uh, for a cool picture of Exodia, though, look up Exodia slash Thanos, and there's a really good piece of art by. I think we've talked I'm about this find before. the artist here. We might have talked. We yeah, you've at least sent it to me before for sure. Um, I found that artist on Instagram. It's like birds for scale or something. Okay. I'm trying to find it right now, but it's it's essentially it's a picture of it's Thanos with a gold dual disc, and he's played all five pieces of Exodia, and then behind him is Exodia looming large in the background and like about to snap. It looks really good. Um, oh come on! I found animatedcartoons.com posted it, but they didn't credit the artist. Everybody, real quick, credit the artist. Are you finding it, Jimmy? Uh, um, I'll have him in a second if I can find where he is. Anyway, uh, so that's that's my least favorite. I, I feel like for the most part, though, there's a lot 
of of good stuff happening um, in this episode. Like like you said, getting Battle City started is the main deal. Like we've been waiting for six episodes <laughs> for this fucking tournament to start, uh, and it's uh, it's real good. I found a Reddit thread with the image that I'm looking for. Um, human for scale. Human for scale. That was it. Humanforscale.com. Go and look it up. It's it's real good. It's it's honestly it's very good art and it's a hilarious crossover at the same time. Uh, all right. Boy, scrolling through my Instagram, I realize just how many like dogs and rats I follow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that sounds like Instagram in general. Jamie. And MacGyver the lizard. Oh yeah, yep. Marnie the dog. I love MacGyver. Anyway, and then our weird Yu-Gi-Oh shit. <laughs> uh, all right. So, do you have anything else uh, about this episode? Nope. Let's move on. Okay. It's time for the monster bracket. Jimmy, every week we take two monsters that appear in season two and pit them against each other in a battle to the death. Two monsters enter. No insanity leaves. We go physically insane trying to pick which card is better because they're all weird bullshit. Uh, This week, though, we have a pretty exciting lineup. Is it your turn to read the intros or mine? I know you wrote these. I think you wrote them last time. So I'll read them this time. Okay. Whenever you're ready, Jimmy, please introduce us to our two combatants today. <clears throat> He's gearing up the test your metal. Bend your knee joints to Machine King. <sighs> Beep boop. And in the other corner, it's the pint-sized knight who's here to fight. And he's not just going to wing it. It's Little Wingard. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ding, ding, ding fight. Uh, Little Wingard is a level four warrior monster with 1,400 attack and 1,800 defense. Uh, this is also known as Tiny Guardian. So tiny depending on what guardian. translation you're looking at, it's either a Little Wingard or Tiny Guardian. Machine King is a level six machine monster with 2,200 attack and 2,000 defense. Jimmy, there is an obvious initial discrepancy in just the numbers. <laughs> Uh, Machine King has a large lead. I would say so. But let's talk about the art on these. Yeah. Uh, who do you want to start with? Uh, we can summarize both of them in one sentence. Mm-hmm. We've got a uh, a knockoff Optimus Prime versus mm-hmm. uh, a knockoff Meta Knight. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's it. That's the matchup. And that's the show, folks. Uh, okay, no, so, so I want to talk about Little Wingard first. Sure. Little Wingard is um you know how in star wars all you see of the jawas is their yellow eyes Mm -hmm. well and the cloaks obviously it's that right you have two little yellow eyes in blackness but then instead of a jawa cloak you have um i'm trying to think of her name there is a fighter from soul caliber who has like a wing motif and i can't think of it at the moment but it's effectively picture led like it's like link from legend of zelda armor but it's a it's like a teal and blue motif and it has wings yeah it's like if pit from kid icarus had armor thank you yes Just that's perfect. wings everywhere it's it's jawa pit Ooh, 
and I love it. Uh, the The helmet is really cool. It's got this like bullet shaped sort of pinnacle, like it, it goes up to a point, and it has a single wing on the forehead. It's like a it doesn't motif. have two wings on the sides, like like normal. It has a single wing sort of poof. Uh, and yeah, like you said, knockoff Meta Knight. He's got a cape, uh, and then it's just all teal armor and a shield. Just right. wings everywhere. Uh, Machine King, by contrast. Literally just Optimus Prime. Literally Optimus Prime. I, I tried for a second there to think of anything different from what you initially said, but it's truly just knockoff Optimus Prime. Um, this is like the Optimus a... Prime you would get at the dollar store. Yes. Uh, it's on a green zebra pattern background? What is that about? Yeah, I was trying to figure out what this background is. It looks like he's at the bottom of the ocean in like a patch of algae or something. Yeah, it's really weird. But he's doing... I mean, he looks chill about it. Yeah. Right? He's like got one fist up in like, victory? But he's just standing I mean, there. Almost, it looks like Optimus Prime's gearing up for a secret handshake, right? Yeah. He's like... Going in for the fist bump. bump. <laughs> not a punch. Yeah, he's not uh, like posed dynamically. He's not like mid sword thrust or something. He's just standing there. Right. Which I should point out, Little Wingard is dynamically. He Little Wingard is like leaping at the camera sword first. Yeah. Uh let's look at the text on these cards. So Machine King. This card gains 100 attack for each machine-type monster on the field. Uh, we saw that in play uh, during the duel against Bandit Key. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Little Wingard says once per turn during your end phase, you can change the battle position of this card. Hmm. Hmm. So you can set it from attack to defense? Right, I think that's I think that's probably the play because it has a higher defense than it does attack. So you could play it in attack mode, mm-hmm. attack, and then put it in defense mode. That's pretty cool. How are you How are you feeling about these? I don't particularly care for either of these guys. They're kind of two duds. Yeah. Huh? I, what kind What kind of What kind of got a got a couple of got a couple of so sos. <laughs> Not the most exciting matchup. I'm kind of partial no. to Machine King just because we've seen him in action before. We know mm-hmm. what he can do. And they kind of hyped him up to be this powerful machine. Obviously, he lost because he was going against our protagonist. But uh, I mean, the like the name is Machine King, right? Yeah. King of Machines. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's it's kind of cool, I guess. He looks like yeah. a. Um, he looks like someone who would fight the Power Rangers. Yes, yes, definitely. This is sort of the, this is the Megazord's cousin that like starts off evil and then like two episodes later they've convinced the sixth Power Ranger to like come to their side, right? And then they fight alongside each other. Uh, I I wanted to figure out if there was anything else because I'm I'm kind of so so on both of them. Like I like the pose of Little Wingard. Like I like the look of Little Wingard. Yeah. But just if we're talking like battle, it's there's really no comparison here between the two. I looked at what episodes they appear in, just to see if maybe that would give me some sort of inclination of like 
who's going to treat us better in this bracket moving forward, yeah. right? So, uh, Machine King appeared in. Uh, well, actually, no. Let me start with Little Wingard. Little Wingard appears in one episode, and that is season two, episode fourteen, "Playing with a Parasite," part one. That is a gross episode title. That is a gross episode title, especially considering that the thumbnail image is two people in a hospital. I was just about to comment on that. Playing with Uh, a parasite, it's Serenity in her hospital bed still with her, like, her eye bandage. And now you're saying that there's going to be a parasite involved? Right, exactly. That's nasty. (laughs) That's that's messed up. Uh, By contrast, Machine King appears in three episodes. And I want you to just listen to these episode titles. Mystery of the Duelist, or pardon me, The Mystery Duelist, Part 1. Merger of the Big Five, Part 2. And then The Ultimate Face-Off, Part 2. Jimmy, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I think Machine King might be a bigger player in the overall game of Yu-Gi-Oh! than Little Wing. Yeah, I would agree. I feel like Machine King... uh has much more importance than little wingard who apparently appears in one episode about parasites granted okay machine king appears in one episode this season we're not going to see him again until next season it's season three episode 15 and then in gx season three uh episode 46 so big gaps between machine king but if we're looking at the titles of the episodes they appear to be important moments yeah these are these are the big guns he does have big guns he, i mean not guns like arms he's all he's all forcep though yeah there there is no bicep Forearm. on this guy forcep his he's got like big like the gauntlets that look like the front of a truck yeah i'm i'm just this is optimus prime yeah. i think is the cross like Transformers exist in the Yu-Gi-Oh universe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not really feeling Little Wingard. He has a very Kirby aesthetic, but mm-hmm, which I like. It just doesn't do it for me. I think he, yeah, he's just a knockoff Meta Knight. I think in this context, it's like I see what you're going for, but we already have Beta the Magnet Warrior. Like our our quota of cute warriors is our not. our cup runneth over with cute warriors. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we will keep your your references on file, uh, but we are not searching for another cute warrior at this time. We'll call. We'll you. call you in the future. I think that means we have to give it to Machine King. But I do have a question for you, Jimmy. Yes. Does this mean that giant transforming robots existed in ancient Egypt? You know what? That's been a question that's been on my mind ever since they we saw any of the like ancient duels happening because it showed a bunch of like monsters and like demons attacking each other but yeah yeah, yeah. where do the robots and shit come in were those in ancient egypt or did are the does just a concept come up with by pegasus i mean my my thought would be the latter but does that mean that then you cannot have a machine deck with the heart of the cards because, because they're not they're not inherently magical. They don't have the spirit of car, of actual monsters within them. Right. I don't know. I feel like the existence of like ancient Egyptian cultists fighting each other with like high technology like spaceships and stuff 
that they have no comprehension of whatsoever. They think it's just some rare form of armor or something. Is cool. Sure. I want to see yeah, some ancient like Egyptian robots. Wasn't that the premise kind of of um oh what's the other anime? Dinosaur King? Dinosaur. Where it's like was it was it that? It was something where it was like prehistoric, right? And there are people fighting and controlling like just giant robot dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm trying to Rex remember what this was. Maybe, that. maybe I'm maybe I'm going crazy. I think it was Dinosaur King. It wasn't Digimon. There's a Dinosaur King uh, card based arcade game from Sega. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, it has uh, so been there was adapted a show. into an anime. Yeah, there's a show based on that. It's a card-based, card-based arcade game from Sega that uses similar gameplay mechanics to Mushi King. The game was released. Oh no! Uh, blah blah blah. Hmm. These are all very CGI dinosaurs in a two-dimensional world. I never said it was a good show. <laughs> uh, here's here's a summary of the story. I have seen Doctor- this before, like ads for it. Oh yeah, it's on Netflix. Is it? Uh, Doctor Spike Taylor. <laughs> was on a paleontology mission in Africa with his son, Max, and Max's friend, Rex. Of course. Max discovers stone tablets and finds dinosaurs are calling them for help. An evil organization called <laughs> ring, the ring, Alpha ring, Gang. Ring, ring, Hello, it's me, Tyrannosaurus. I need your help. <laughs> An evil organization Poor called T-Rex the Alpha Gang. Poor T-Rex needs a Gang. selfie stick just to talk on the phone. Oh. <laughs> An evil organization called the Alpha Gang, led by the nefarious Dr. Z or Dr. Zed in this country, traveled back in time to hunt down the dinosaurs and use them to take over the world. It is up to Max and Rex to travel around the world, defeating Dr. Z and the Alpha Gang while hunting down the dinosaurs. Later, the story varies as arcade game machines keeps upgrading. So that might be what I'm thinking of. I'm not 100% sure yet. But anyway, the idea of ancient people dueling with technology beyond their ken is very good. I do like this kid's aesthetic that's like one of those visors you would get at a science a museum that has like dinosaur horns sticking out of it. Mm, that is perfect mm, yeah, for he's got a dinosaur big spiky show. hair. A dino It's so a good. A dinosaur show. I feel like at some point Jimmy, you and I are just going to have to sit down. Maybe maybe if I'm if I'm back in the states at one point or if you come visit, we're going to have to do like a series of bonus episodes where we just watch one episode from all these random animes. That like we got to do Beyblade, we got to do Dinosaur King, we got to do Zatch Bell. Um, Zatch Bell, uh, we gotta do uh, Sakura Card Captor, uh, we gotta do Monster Rancher. Shit, I miss Monster Rancher. Jesus Christ. Um, Digimon, you know, all that. I'm gonna have to make we'll put you that, watch. We'll put that on the docket yeah, for eventually. To write a list of these things. Uh, the F Zero anime. Oh, yeah, of course, naturally. All the Bionicles. <laughs> Man, I wish there was a Bionicle anime. There is. It's bad. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, okay. So go to Netflix. I've tried watching it a handful of times, and it is unwatchable. Um, for for the listeners, Jimmy and I had a really long conversation about Bionicle the other day because I finally like went to the Bionicle wiki and started reading it. It's buck wild. If if you enjoy the story of Yu Gi Oh, go just to the Bionicle wiki. <laughs> Just the Wikipedia page, even, and just read the plot synopsis of Bionicle. Um, yeah, so it's not. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it would qualify as an 
anime okay, necessarily. Was... It is an animated show called Bionicle The Journey to One. No, this is and Oh, it... this came out twenty sixteen. Yeah, it's like a it's like a half CGI, half traditional, you know, cell animation. It's bad. It's very yeah, bad. Yeah, it doesn't surprise and, me. And it's like the the plot is so interesting, right? Like it's it's this sort of like post-apocalyptic like machine biology hybrid people, right? But the writing of the the show is so disjointed like each episode is like trying to fit together 12 disparate things that happen but with no real connecting points it's just like this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens and it's up to you the viewer to figure out what order these things are happening in and why they're important i've never seen it it's try giving it a watch i i hope that i'm wrong maybe since you have some more exposure in the biotical world maybe you'll kind of get it more but like it was it was too much for me i couldn't do it uh i am realizing now though that there is also a uh ninjago show the ninjago movie was excellent uh and there's a nexo knights show that went for two seasons have you heard of nexo knights jimmy the name is vaguely familiar to me so it's a it's a lego set and I apologize. We're going we're gonna to wrap up the episode here in a second. But it's a Lego set uh, of sort of the Knights of the Round Table in the far future. This so does sound like very tra- familiar to me. They have like traditional knight armor. The The Lego set was really cool because it did like an uh, AR game. Oh, sort yeah. Of thing I think I saw like, a commercial for this. Yeah. You had like an app on your phone and you would play like effectively a role playing game kind of with these knights. Um, I actually kind of want to try it just to see like how detailed it is um but so there's a show that i didn't realize until just now uh the summary for the show says aided by digimage murloc 2.0 knights aaron lance axel macy and clay bravely defend the kingdom of knighton against jestro and the other evil foes you know where knights live Right. That's such a Knighton. that's such a Lego thing to name someone Axel. Oh yeah. Uh and it's AXL too. Uh and Murloc 2.0 is M E R L O K 2.0. That that reminded me just reading that. That's part of the reason why I really enjoyed the Bionicle story is it reaches a point where it's so clear that it's just well it's it's one person for the most part truly. But it's so clear that it's just them trying to come up with as many new nouns as possible. New. Like every time you could refer back to like, oh, and you remember the villain from before? It's like, it's not that word. It's a new word that just kind of sounds similar. Exactly. So you have to remember, oh, is this the the Barak or the Bakok or the, or the Bagorg or their evil twin, the Bagoral? You're just silent now because you love Bionicle. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, they're all named. I've insulted you. Uh, all right. Is there anything else you want to mention about this episode nah, before we uh, we wrap it up? 
All right. Congratulations again to Machine King. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at yampod. That's Y-A-M-P-O-D. Uh, you can go to the monster bracket, uh, heartofthe.cards slash bracket, uh, or any of our episodes at heartofthe.cards. Leave us a review on iTunes uh, or not. Do whatever. We don't care. Um, we do the show for free, so please take that money that you save and go and donate it to places that need it, such as uh, we recommend donating to the Yellowhammer Fund, Trans Lifeline, and uh, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. That money goes to really good use for truly any amount of donation that you can make. Um, I know at least Trans Lifeline and Pan can actually outline kind of what your donation does, and it's crazy. Like even $2 is like, okay, this is a person handing out a pamphlet, right? Like this is getting information into the hands of the people that need it. And that's like, that's neat. A a coffee. That's a cheap coffee. Right. So just imagine like taking that and sort of multiplying it exponentially. Like, okay, $5 can do twice that work. Like $10 can do twice that work. It's nuts. Anyway, uh, Jimmy, have you had any word on when Dungeons Against Humanity is coming back? Probably not for a few months. Okay. That's fine. It's a few months that everyone can get it's caught up. A lot up. of editing for our poor DM. Yeah. Well, who does it all herself? The editing and the DMing and like putting everything out onto the like internet and stuff. That seems like something that should be fixed. I don't know that one person should be doing all of that work. <laughs> yeah, that's her uh, idea. But if that's what she wants to do, you know, yeah, that's fine. against humanity. Um, I've talked about it before. Yeah. Uh, dub podcast on Twitter, yep. DungeonsAgainstHumanity.net. Go get caught up. There's 22 episodes. Is that right? Oh, something along those lines. Yeah, something along those lines. Uh, and they're all you know a couple hours each. So it's a lot of, of podcasting time. It's great. I've learned it's great like road trip or bus commute podcast because you kind of just get to like chill and hang out with friends for a while <laughs> and then then go on with your day. It's very much in that vein. Have you um, listened to my podcast on a road trip? I well not on a, not on a road trip recently, okay. but like on commutes just and stuff. Because you have to take yeah. the bus here. Or like in my case, it's long walks. I suppose. I was say, when was the last time you were able to take a road trip in the UK? That's not a thing. No, I don't drive. Well, road trips are a thing here, but you just end up on the other side of the country. Yeah, it's gonna be what four hours? <laughs> yeah, I was doing the I was doing the math. Yeah, it's about four hours to, uh, to from here to. Not London, but if you wanted to go like Cambridge from here, for instance, it'd be like, man, yeah, like a four-hour drive. Yeah, and that is just like an unfathomable amount of time to Brits is to be in a car for oh, yeah. that long. Oh, yeah. It's too far. It's too far. People people won't even come to like our flat, which is like in the next village over from theirs, and it's an a eight-minute drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's not what this show is about. This has been You Active in My Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Next week, we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 8, which I'm presuming is Yugi vs. Rare Hunter Part 2, Battle City Continues. Maybe next time we'll see Exodia. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Until next time. Never let an old creep in a cape slap you around.